Well, good morning, Grace. If you didn't know, my name is Phil. You can call me Phil with two E's, Phil. Man, are you guys excited to be here this morning? Anybody, anybody sense an atmosphere of expectation in this place? Yeah, yeah. We've noticed it. We've noticed the tides turning. We're excited for more. I encourage you, invite someone into where we're going. Because we are just getting started. But real quick, real quick, we are family. If you have been in this room one time or 1,000 times, I don't know if that's statistically possible based on how long the room's been here. I don't know. I'm not going to do the math. You know what I mean? Uh, you are family. We believe that here. You're not just sitting in a seat. You're not just listening to a message. You are part of something God's doing. And I hope that you feel that. And if you don't, keep coming. I think that you will. But real quick, here's what I need you to do. I need you to turn to a neighbor real quick. Turn to a neighbor real quick. Give them a high five and tell them you love them. too much love. It's too much love, people. This isn't church. Stop it. Y'all better be acting like this in Walmart with that type of energy. Thank you, man. Come on, y'all. Give me something. Give me something. Give me something. All right, now real quick, turn to a different neighbor. Shake their hand. Shake their hand and explain to them why you didn't turn to them first. That's what I'm talking about. That's a good reason, actually. Man. <laughs> Y'all feel good this morning? <clears throat> All right, that's what I'm talking about. Let me just ask you a question. How many of you woke up with ice on your car this morning? Oh, I do not like that. Okay. It was about seven. Amen to you. I didn't know you were rich like that, Igor. All right, sorry. <laughs> All he said is I have a garage. <laughs> Man, I woke up this morning, it was like 7.08, okay, and I get in my car and I'm ready to go because I'm the type that I just roll out. I don't prep, I don't pre-warm up my car, I'm not like that, I should be, but I'm not, okay. And I went, I thought it was just like fog, mist, whatever, I went to do it and it went, you know that sound of ice and it doesn't work, okay. And then I had the thought of, well, I could get out and scrape it. No, I'm going to sit in here and slowly watch it melt as my car warms up, which I should have pre-warmed up, but I didn't, I did it to myself. That's a whole message for a different day now that I think about it. That's a whole different message, man. We ain't going there today. Hey, real quick, real quick, man. We are walking into a new season here at Grace. Uh, I hope you guys are excited. I'm not going to lie. Like I said, it feels like we're excited. Uh, and we should maintain that because Jesus is a very exciting person to follow. Amen. One of the new initiatives that we're going to be doing as a body is prayer walks. So what we did last month is we invited the body kind of the week of, so we had about 40 to maybe 50 show up. We met up in the harvest, and for our 45 minutes to an hour, how many of you were at that, by the way, the prayer walk last week? Oh, awesome, awesome. We met, and Wednesday morning, and we, we just walked this, this parking lot, this church, this building, wherever you wanted to go, and, and prayed as the Spirit led you. We had prayer prompts, things to pray for, and all of us, I feel like, left so excited after that. We had a shared time of just testimony, like, what did God tell you? What did he say? Um, and it was really, really awesome, and everyone's invited to that. So that's going to be October 19th. Is that this coming Wednesday? Something That's the next Wednesday? Next Wednesday, I'm not good with dates or math or anything like that, okay? October 19th at 9 a.m., staff will all be there. The body is welcome as well, so mark that down. Prayer walk is going to be crazy, okay? So we in week two, week two of our victory 
vision, walking in what Jesus has already given us. The premise has been, I think maybe at the surface level, pretty simple. You've been given victory in Jesus through his death and resurrection, period. If you believe in him, it is for you. Our challenge is to look a little deeper and ask yourself the question, are you walking in that? Does it feel like you have that every day? And I shared last week how this vision was born. We had a comment of like, well, how much can we really talk about victory? And in the moment, I was like, I guess you're right. And then God was like, no. If we as believers aren't talking about victory every day in every avenue, we're missing something in our faith. Jesus didn't just die 2,000 years ago for a one-time win. It's an everyday, all-eternal win. And it's for us, not just this morning, but going forward through our weeks and all of these different places. So I'm going to recap last week for us, and then we're going to get into this week, all right? So th- this last week, we said three things. We talked about the disciples, right? We looked at the crucifixion and the, the burial, and we said, man, this is dark, It doesn't seem like anything good can come out of a story like this. Like if you don't know the end of the story, you would read this and be like, holy moly, this is depressing. And yet we said the disciples had the opportunity, as do we, in this situation, in every situation, to see victory. And a couple things we said they could have done, they could have remembered what God had said to them. Jesus had already told them this would happen, but in the moment they were forgetting. I wonder how many of us have been given promises from God, and in the moments that are hard, we forget. We said we view things differently than the world. There were scoffers and mockers and people looking at Jesus and pointing fingers and making fun. Know anybody that does that type of stuff? I do. And yet his disciples weren't the ones doing that. They were the ones standing at a distance, brokenhearted, because they viewed things differently We're called to view things differently. And then last, we said, remember, no matter what it looks like, God is undefeated. And while in a couple weeks here, we're going to return to Genesis, and we're going to be studying Genesis in chunks with a victory theme. We're going to be pulling victory out of the word of God. Actually, we're renaming the series from God's story to God's victory. All of scripture is that, by the way. But we're stepping into one more week of just launching this this vision victory, okay? And I'm just going to give you my message title right off the top, and it's this. Check the score. Some of you already are like, yes, Phil, let's go. I'm with you. You see the scoreboard up here? Some of you can. I'll turn it. It's a little bit on the small side. Okay. The victory's not small, though. I'm going to give you guys an example of an athlete. How many of you played sports at some point in life? Ooh, looking at y'all, I would not have known. Okay, my, <laughs> woohoo! Listen, I'm a dad now too. Okay, it just happens, people. I get it. <clears throat> I played sports for a long time. I was actually played semi-professional soccer for six years. Uh, love soccer. I've played it my whole life. Any any footy fans? The real football out here? It's much less. It is America. I understand. I understand. We named football football when you use your hands. We're the chosen land, please. Okay, anyways, anyways. I think uh, times that I played sports, right, and, and you, you, if you're competitive like me, I'm a pretty competitive person. God is cleaving me of some of that pride. But you're playing, right, and, and you ever been in a game or watched a game where, like, maybe your favorite football team or whatever, if you're not, if you never really played sports, the score is, like, a lot to a little. And yet you got someone on the losing team just chirping in your ear. Man, I can think of soccer games, again, back in my heathery days, where, man, we'd be up 5 nothing, just slaying some people. And there'd be some dude every time. He'd be like, oh, good pass. Oh, you, you, you stink, blah, 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 whatever. Different choice words. I won't say them. We're in church, okay? 
<clears throat> and what do you say to someone like that when you're winning the game and they're still talking? Scoreboard, fam. Check the score, man. Who are you talking to? You ain't winning this. I think about your favorite football team, man. Like for me, I like the Ravens. I say that. Man, can I just point something out for my Purple Birds fans? We've only trailed 14 seconds this whole year, and we're two and two. <sighs> Stop it. Stop it. Don't clap. Well, I think about, like, if I watched the Ravens, and I knew the final score of every single game before it happened, I would watch the game so much differently. I would still enjoy it. I'd love watching my favorite players go out there and do their thing. But the emotional disorders that come out of me during these games, the anxiety, the stress, I wouldn't have it. Why? I know the final score. Ephesians 4.14 comes to mind where it says, like infants, we're so often tossed and thrown by the waves, blown by the winds of deceit. And I wonder how often in life, even though we're called to know the final score, we're just blown around like infants. Same way I watch the Ravens, and if I know the final score and I know they're going to win, I still just get pushed around by how the play goes, and he fumbled, and he shouldn't have thrown that ball, and why'd you go for it on fourth down? <clears throat> Only my fans get that. <clears throat> and I open with that for a reason. I wonder if maybe... As we, as a family, step into this season of victory, that that's what God is calling us out of. Being so easily thrown back and forth, tossed around, blown around by ever-changing situations, ever-changing things. To step out, maybe, of spiritual infancy that we're so easily sent these ways. But to step into a firm faith that's rooted on a solid, unchanging foundation of Jesus because we know the final score of the game. And that's where we're headed today. So we're going to pray that God would prepare our hearts to understand how to better check the score in our lives, all right? So let's pray. Jesus, you are good this morning. And you were good yesterday, and you will be good tomorrow. Father, I thank you right now for what Jesus did on that cross for me. Every time I'm unfaithful, he stays faithful. Every time I fail, he never does. God, I lift up this family to you right now, that you would just prepare our hearts to understand truly, deeply, in a life-changing way, the victory you've given us. And Father, would you guide us via your Holy Spirit to walk in it. I just pray over the future of this family and this fellowship that we would begin to see both, both ourselves as leadership as well as the body and these beautiful people begin to walk in a way that our communities and families see it and want what we have. And God, I thank you that it's not of us. It's from you. We love you. We trust you. We give this time to you. Would your word stand? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people sang, amen. Come on now. Come on now. Man, man, some of y'all really hit the amen. You've gotten more in sync too, by the way. That's unity right there. Remember, every week it was bad. You guys were ahead. You sounded better. I don't know what was going on. That was unison right there. Cool, cool. We're going to be in 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, so if you've got your Bibles, open them things up. 1 Peter 5, chapter 5. 
verses 5 through 11. There's a lot of fives. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 11. If you've got your cellular devices and you don't got the Bible, first of all, download the Bible app. Get that thing. It's free. Or you can Google 1 Peter 5. It'll be on that page. So I'm going to read this to us. It'll be up on the screens. And I'm going to ask someone to follow me, please. That would be amazing. Starting in verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Hey, by the way, I could have skipped verse 5 for this. I could have started at verse 6. But I just wanted my young people to hear what the Bible calls you to do. Fair. Only, only my seasoned folks laughed. I don't understand. <laughs> In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Because God opposes, opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Ooh, this verse is for somebody this morning. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever, and everybody said. I think there's a reality that we have to pull out of this passage that I want to start with. Uh, as you know, I like my three-point messages. I'm going to pull out, I think, a, a process in which we experience victory. And, and I'm going to, again, kind of say, I think sometimes we, we think things are simple, and yet we don't do them. And then I wonder, are they really that simple? But I'm just going to get right into my first point. It comes out of verse 8. Verse 8 says, be alert and of sober mind. I want to clarify what that actually even means because I think sometimes we make that like a sobriety passage in, the, in regards like substances. It's talking about like your emotional mental state. Be alert and of sober mind. Be thinking of things clearly. Don't let emotions and this, that, and the other things get in and cloud your mind. It's a lot, a lot more than just maybe alcohol or something like that. It's about what are you letting affect your mind. How about this? Who? Are you letting affect your mind? It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. My first point is this. You have someone trying to take your victory. When we talk about this idea of, of being victorious, how we've already been given victory and we have to walk in it, I think it's absolutely imperative as in like you will not experience any victory or the level of victory that you are supposed to, that God would want for you in this life if you don't understand what you're having victory over. We talk a lot about these, these negative things that are happening in the world like beating pride and anxiety and depression and anger and family issues and relational drama, right? And we, we talk about these things because they're real and we should talk about them. And we're a hot church, honest, open, transparent. It's a waste of time to not address those things because we all deal with them. But listen to me, that's not what you're trying to beat. If you spend all day thinking about how you want to beat anxiety, you will not beat anxiety, why? It's not the root of your problem. If you think all day about how you need to figure out your family and fix your family, you will not fix your family because you cannot. And in the end, that's not the problem. 
I think there's something deeper. I think in the end, there's an enemy that's not in this physical world. The Bible's clear. Our, our fight is not against, like, principalities. and It's about, it's the authorities. It's not people. It's the authorities of the, the, the spiritual realm, the people that have, uh, or the person and his little thug army that's working on you. That's all they are. Don't give them too much credit, by the way. But it's not this physical world. Your enemy, friends, isn't people. Man, you know how often we pit ourselves against people? We don't believe what I believe. You're on the other side of the political spectrum. You don't look or think like me, so you must be the problem. No, they're not. Stop treating them like the problem. Start treating them like a child of God. It's not your problems. It's not your feelings. Your enemy is Satan. A fallen angel, now known as the devil, who was up in heaven, tried to do all kinds of messed up stuff. God sent him down, and now he has one goal until he eventually loses, and that's to destroy you. Because he knows that that would hurt God the most. The Bible talks about this person in ways like this. He's only come to kill and steal and destroy, and let's just be clear, he's good at it. Look at the world. But the evidence is obvious that he's good at it. And yet, I think he does this thing where he wants you to be so angry at that person that just drove past you on the highway. And he wants you to be so angry when your spouse didn't do that thing that you were supposed to do. And he wants you to be so angry about what they posted on Facebook, which you should have deleted two years ago for your mental health. <laughs> Fifty of y'all just got convicted. I felt it. But here's the thing, if we don't know who is trying to steal our victory, we can't fight back. And the reality is, a lot of the time it seems like he's winning. He messes things up. So I have this little scoreboard here. He messes things up in our life. He uh, leads us to get tempted, to feel stressed. You know, things happen where anxiety is creeping up and way too regularly. I mean, I wake up anxious. Well, I'm anxious a lot, so what's that lead? That leads to me to feel like I'm depressed. Can't even barely get out of bed. And, and there's family drama going on, and I don't really know how to fix it, and they're totally wrong, so I'm just going to be mad all the time instead of trying to be humble and to do something like I maybe should. Well, and then, you know, uh, we, we walk into like our jobs and I hate my job, so I'm going to be mad all day. And a bunch of points get added to that one. And, you know, the guy was road raging and it made me mad for they just ruined my whole day. And he causes turmoils in relationship and he's trying to distract us from the things of God. And I know that I should stop this certain habit. And I know I shouldn't be with this person doing the things that I'm doing. But he makes it seem like it's not a big deal because I'm not facing any consequences yet. And we kind of get to this place where stuff starts to rack up and, and the enemy's doing his thing and he's slowly making us just feel better about the stuff that maybe we shouldn't be feeling good at and he's giving us these roadblocks in life and this isn't fair and this isn't working and I don't know about you, but before we know it, because we haven't identified the person we're fighting, the score seems really lopsided in our life. Can anybody relate to that on a daily basis? This feels like the score you're fighting against. And over time, he keeps racking these points up in your life to where there's moments where it feels overwhelmingly defeating. You have an enemy. 
He hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants nothing good for you. That's why he makes things feel good that aren't good. The Bible says all things are permissible, but not all things are good. Maybe we should stop using our liberty in Christ to do things that are killing us. And I think so many in this world, and maybe so many in this room, and even myself at times, feel defeated because we aren't recognizing that there's something behind the things we feel that are racking the points up against us in our life. And I think we aren't walking in victory sometimes. We claim we know it. We say these things, we praise him, right? And we're like, God's given me the victory. And then 14 minutes later, someone says something that hurts my feelings, and the victory went straight out the window. And it's because we actually don't know or see who we're fighting. For my history buffs, I'm not one of those. Do you know why the war in Vietnam was so brutal? You couldn't see your enemy. Guerrilla warfare, they did, it, was, it was said that they could be right in front of you and you not know it. Therefore, it seemed impossible to win. Let me just encourage us. If we aren't looking for the schemes of the enemy, if we aren't identifying that there's someone behind the things happening in your life, the enemy's right in front of you and you don't see him, therefore, it's easy for him to defeat you. It's easy for him to destroy the good things. It's easy for him to bring you down. I mean, how many of you, how many of you have left this room feeling amazing? The presence of God is here. A word was spoken that was just for you. You're walking feeling like you're a kite just flying through the air. And you get into your car, and within five minutes, it's been pulled away from you. Your enemy was probably sitting right next to you in the car, and you weren't looking. I'm not talking about your spouse. The minute I said it, I was like, not a good metaphor, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Mine's in the backseat, it's my daughter, so <laughs> just kidding. He's right there, I think, sometimes, and if we don't identify and look for the one we're actually fighting, we won't fight well. I'm not sure that the body of Christ modern day is very equipped to fight. It's one of the reasons we're going into this victory in the battlefield of the mind. On Wednesday nights, we want to equip you to fight. We want to give you the weapons that, by the way, are already there for you, but help you find them to fight better. And we want to learn to fight better too. But we have to know who we're fighting. And you have an enemy trying to take your victory. So, so listen to me, family, as we walk forward in this vision of victory, and we're going we're gonna to be hammering this stuff home, declaring these things on a weekly basis. But if you walk in and out, not feeling like you're experiencing victory, I wonder if you truly know there's someone trying to take it. I wonder if you're putting a name on him, calling him out, rebuking him in things. Do you know you have that power? We're going to get there in a second. But this morning, I just came to declare going forward that it does not have to be your reality to walk in this type of scoreline. Your scoreboard does not and should not look like this any day. Not because of anything you can do, but because of what he's already done. Are we walking in it? So we're going to check out right into the next verse. Verse 9, it says this, resist him. So I'm going to say resist. Standing firm in the faith. I want to put up James 4, 7, kind of a, a side verse for you. It says this, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Two, two passages, and you can find a bunch more, but talking about this idea of having an enemy and how God has victory for us, and both use the same exact word, resist. And this specifically says, I love it, resist him and he will flee from you. My second point is the enemy runs when we resist. There's 
I think a power in this statement that can change everything if we start to walk in it. I'm just going to keep using that phrase, walk in it. You got to take the steps, right? The Bible says he's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. If you've got this right here and you don't take the next step, the next step isn't illuminated if that's what God says he is. You have to take steps of faith as he shows you what's next. The enemy runs when we resist. I love this verse. It's been a memory verse of mine for a long time. Why? It implies we, you, me, have direct power over the one trying to steal your victory. This is one thing I can promise. When we talk about being equipped to fight the enemy, identifying the enemy, looking for him, not blaming people and problems and situations, but looking at the enemy of your soul trying to give you all these things. And we say, hey, maybe we might not be equipped to fight this. I promise you this about the body of believers. We do not often step into the power that we have over him. I got to tell you all something. Within the last couple months, I was a part of casting a demon out of somebody. And that demon has not come back. Three months clean for that person. Man, we talk about clean like, well, you've been clean from alcohol for three months. What about the one behind you being addicted to alcohol? You clean from him? (laughs) Man, some of us, uh, okay. But there's a key here, I think. Because we say things like, well, you need to resist the enemy and he'll run. And I think if we're not careful, that puts a lot of pressure on us. Well, if you just try harder. You just read your Bible more. You just pray more. All good things, by the way. You you have a role to play. And yet if we stop there, there's something insufficient about that. Why? You can't do it. What does it say in the beginning of James 4, 7? We love the idea of resist the enemy and he will flee from you. A lot of people probably have that memorized. Right before it, it says submit to God. Submit to God and then Resist the devil and he will flee. There's a key here. You cannot resist unless you're submitting to God. I'm going to put something out there. I think some of us, like, avoid submitting to God because we already know he'd help us start resisting. How many of you know there's something you shouldn't be walking in, something you shouldn't be doing, people you shouldn't be with, and you literally have intentionally not invested in your relationship with God in that area because you know what he'll say? I promise you this, before you choose to submit something to God, you won't resist. And if you try, you'll do it futilely. Is that a word? Futilely. Thanks, appreciate you. It's the Phil Dictionary. It's in his power that we resist. It helps us to get rid of what the devil's trying to do, what he's trying to steal from us. And listen to this. We have to hear this. Jesus himself had to do this. If he's our high priest who we can relate to in everything, which is what the Bible says that he is, meaning this is why Jesus is so beautiful and so attractive to so many people, because he's not this distant, far-off God. The Bible says you can relate to him in every way. This is why I'm going to keep on a hundred with y'all. I do not like these models of priests and pastors being lifted up on pedestals, and I have to go confess my sins to him and him alone, and these people are way more holy than me, which is why they've been ordained in ways I have not. And listen... You have that same power. It is as available to you as it is anybody else. It says he's the high priest that we can relate to. Not he's the high priest that pastors can relate to. No, he's the high priest that you can relate to. Jesus is so beautiful because any single problem you've had, he's walked through. And that means you can skip me. (laughs) 
You can skip Jeff. You can skip Ben and Mark. You can skip your ministry leaders. You can skip your mentors. You can skip your parents. You can go straight to the source and say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. Help me resist. And he says, okay. You want to know what he says in Matthew 8, verses 2 and 3 to the leper? The leper says, if you're willing, cleanse me. What does he say? I'm willing. You know he's willing for you? I hope you never leave this place thinking you need someone up here to tell you who God is to you. He is for you. He is with you. He is working in and through you. You have that same power. So when we talk about resisting the enemy, Jesus himself walked 40 days in a desert being what? Tempted. And it says he resisted. And what did the devil do after 40 days? Ran away till an opportune time. But in typical Bible fashion, man, it's so beautiful. I hope we read the Bible like this. I hope we read it, period, but I hope we read it like this. God provides us a problem and a challenge and then gives us a direction out of it. He all, like the Bible, it's form. The form of the Bible, if you read it, we've been talking a lot about this as in, in the pastor's kind of meetings and SLT and teaching team and stuff like that. The form of the Bible is so repetitive. Here's an issue. Here's what Jesus does about it. Here's an issue. Here's your way out of it. So what does that mean? Are we walking in the way out? Or are we sitting in the problem? This is amazing to me. Submit to God. Submit to God. Submit to God and allow him to help you resist and the enemy runs. I want to be the type of person, when I walk in a room, demons have to leave. Do you know you can do that? Do you know you can walk up in your families who don't know Jesus, and just because of the Holy Spirit in you, you can walk in a room, and there's no place. Can I tell you something? When we had our Monday meeting a couple weeks ago, we prayed uh, in a group, in a room back there the day before, that no principality that would try to come in this room and just, like, down what God is doing, like, like bring us to a place that he'd rather have us than God. We said they have no place in this room, and if you were at that Monday meeting, there was no demon in that room. There was no authority other than God in that room. I believe there's no authority other than God in this room. Why? God's children are here. God's Holy Spirit-filled people are here. If you don't know that about yourself, start saying it. Start declaring that over your life. You know, so much of victory is declaring things over yourself. I'm not talking about getting more money and finding your keys that you lost because you put them in the wrong place that you shouldn't have put them in. You actually just need to grow in uh, diligence and you know discipline. Guilty, I can never find my keys. But I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, man, like powers can come over you that are making you feel certain ways, do certain things, act certain ways, and you can tell them no. And let me ask you a question. For those in the room that have resisted the devil at times, you've resisted things that he's doing, can I ask you something? Has it gotten easier? How many of you experienced things in your life that as you resisted, it got easier to resist? How about this? How many of you are completely free from something in the room? How many of you have walked in some level of maybe addiction or something that you had that you no longer have? If it's you, put your hand up, and then we're going to clap for that. But you know what that is? That's this verse coming to life. We resist via submitting to him. The devil has to run away, and the further he is away from you, the easier it gets. The less his presence is around you, the less control he has over you. I want to be someone like that. So I want to continue this scoreboard example because I think here's what starts to happen. We've got this score that adds up and it seems high and all this different stuff, right? And 
Well, then we decide one night, hey, I'm not going to go to that same old habit that I've been going to. I'm going to spend time in my Bible. And that score goes down a little bit. And we see a couple points. Oh, wrong side. See a couple points go up on this side. And well, you know what? I haven't been in my Bible much. I haven't been praying much. I'm going to commit. I'm just going to set an alarm 10 minutes a day when I wake up. Rather than getting right on email, rather than thinking about all my problems, all the things I got to do today and filling my head with stress. And we get in a couple points. We feel good for the rest of the day, right? And, and this score goes down a little bit because now that we're prepared, now that we're prepared, he's got less of a foothold. We resisted a little bit, right? And you've got those family dynamics that have been pulling you down. But you know what? Today, today I'm going to choose to trust that he is the ultimate restorer, that he is the ultimate healer. And we see big chunks come off of this, right? We're feeling a little, a little better about ourselves and our relationship with God. And we see this start to even out a little bit. And, and maybe he starts scoring some of these points. You've resisted, you've prayed, you've gotten the Bible. Holy Spirit's bringing some fresh conviction. And God forbid we're actually listening to him and saying yes instead of like, no, God, I'm over it. I'm gonna quench you. Well, starts to even out a little bit, right? We start to score some of these points for the home team, for the winning team. A sermon really speaks to your heart, all these different things. We see the tides of what was yesterday because of us identifying our enemy and starting to fight him, submitting to God in the process. We start to see the scores even out a little bit, even out a little bit. And we feel better, right? And I think what this type of score looks like, what this type of life looks like is one day I'm doing great, the next day I'm doing poorly. Anybody relate to that? Well, I've seen some victories. I know God's real. I know he can work. I've felt him in my life. But depending on the day, it still seems like he's got a higher score. Man, I just haven't been feeling it. I haven't felt good about things. He feels distant today. But the next day I went to a conference from passion and I am on fire and I got a couple points here. And we see the tides shift, but listen to me, the reality, the reality is that as long as we're here on this earth, there will be struggles. There will be ups and downs. There will be the spiritually high days where you've seen God move and it was amazing and you couldn't stop telling people for 72 hours. And then on the fourth day, you completely forget because you were late to work and you burnt your toast. And there's still going to be failures. There's still going to be struggles. There's still going to be times of feeling defeated when we operate this way. So there must be something bigger. There must be something bigger than just, hey, I'm going to try harder and, and I'm going to feel good this day. And it's so dependent on how I feel now because at times even for me, even for the, the deeply passionate believer in the room, it still seems like the score is uneven. Or how about this, way too close. Can anybody relate to just... Man, depending on the day, I'm so close to Jesus, and then the next day, I don't even know if I'm saved, which you should know that, by the way. But I can relate to that, too, man. There's days I'm just flying high for Jesus, and, man, some of you have been so encouraging to me at times. Well, you, are, you are on fire, and I'm like, well, for the last 48 hours, I have been. We'll see about tomorrow. And yet, I think there's something then. If God's victory is truly for us and we can walk in it in a way that changes everything about us, there has to be a little bit more. So I'm going to put a couple more uh, verses up on the screens. But I'm going to finish out real quick this uh, 1 Peter 5 passage. It says this, and, and the God of all grace, this is after we resist. This is after we submit. This is after we understand we have an enemy that prowls like a roaring lion. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory after you've suffered for a little while, that's this. 
That's this score right here. After you've suffered for a little while, he will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And then check out some, some supporting verses, Revelation. This is the end of the story, family. This is, this is the end pages. This is the end of the book. And the devil, who we are addressing and putting a name on today, who deceived them, us, was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. If there are times in your life and you are a believer of Jesus Christ that you feel tormented that is not for you forever, it's for him. Revelation 21, 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, our eyes. There will be no mourning, no more death or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. If you're in the room and you're in a season of mourning, wailing, pain, crying, maybe you've been in one, maybe one's coming, that is not for you permanently. This score is not for you forever. That will not be your reality, good, bad, the hard things will come in this life, but this will not be your reality forever. The beautiful thing about God's story and our story is that God wrote the end for you. He left the middle open because we are the middle. <laughs> Man, some of y'all don't realize that you are the unwritten part right now. You are like the army of believers he's sending out until Revelation 21 happens. Until Revelation, do you know you are like, you are the people marching towards Revelation 20? What if you woke up every morning and rather than think about all the things we selfishly think about and vainly think about every single day, I woke up and thought, I am the army marching this morning to Revelation 20. I'm about to get up then and put on my spiritual army boots. I don't own army boots, but spiritual ones. I'm, I'm about to start stomping on the devil all day long. Do you know that's available for you? It's not cliche. It's not just an idea. It's not just a reality for when he comes back. It can be a reality for today. Last point to this. It is time for God's people to check the score. It is time for God's people to stop walking around like we lose. It's time for God's people to stop being so easily thrown back and forth. I do not say this condemningly to anybody because I am in that same boat with you. When waves seem big, it's so easy for me when I hop out to be scared like the disciples were while Jesus was sleeping. What if, what if, as God's people, we started, stopped focusing so hard on the right now and started holding to the promise of our victory? That changes not only today's score, but every day's score. I think for us, so much of victory is what I want to call a scoreboard perspective. You can think that you can't be forgiven for something, but listen, you already are. You can think situations are overwhelming, but it says he overwhelmed the grave. You think there's no light at the end of the tunnel, but he calls himself the light of the end of the light of the world. Things seem hard, but his burden is easy. Things seem broken, but ultimately he is healer. The world seems lost, but he finds. Things seem unfair. Well, the worst thing that ever happened in the world happened to the least deserving person. So who are we to talk about unfair? It's all about a scoreboard perspective. Are you waking up in the morning and declaring to yourself, God already won, so I win today? Or are you waking up and giving what the Bible calls the devil a foothold? And let me lovingly encourage you, this is for you. 
Take this with you, scoreboard perspective. Like I wanna live my life and think about God and things around me in a way, in a way that no matter what's happening on this side of the scoreboard, I know that this side wins. Therefore, I'm not gonna let the tossing of the back and forth change who I know I am on my firm foundation. So listen, family, it is called the finished work of Christ because it's finished. It is not the half done work of Christ. It is not the partially done work of Christ. It is not the, depending on how I feel today, work of Christ. It is finished. I will. The empty tomb got rid of any doubts. And while we are unfinished until the day we meet him, the work has been done, the war has been won. It's the end of any failure, it's the end of any loss. The victory is yours in Jesus and the scoreboard reads zero for the enemy. So let's talk about what that looks like. If you aren't feeling loved today, Jesus loves you. You don't need anybody else to love you. And when you start to realize that, his score has so much less of a hold on you. If the enemy's tempting you, hey, how about this? Remember one day, he ends up in a lake of fire. So I don't really care what you have to say to me, enemy, because you lose. Why am I going to do what you say? Oh, you feel sad and depressed and down today or this week? Well, we know that Jesus wipes away every single tear. Those tears you cried yesterday, they're not for you. He hears them, he sees them, he's wiping them away. You feel tempted, well then we start to resist. His score gets lower and lower. And then we feel brokenness in our lives and families, but we know and trust that he wins and he's restoring all things and working all things for good. And you see the scoreboard starting to shift significantly. You're thinking things are going bad. Well, he's working all things for good. And I don't know what number I need to put up here. It's probably infinity. I don't have that symbol. But in the end, family, the truth is that no matter how the enemy attacks, no matter how things look in your current situation, no matter how they feel, no matter what happens, check the score. Look at the crucifixion. Look at the cross, which is bloody with no one on it. Look at the tomb that has linen sitting there around nobody and it's empty, and, and his scars, which seemed bad, are your salvation. His holes in his hands are your healing. He said it's finished, and it's finished for anyone who believes and follows him. And you wanna know why I chose the red side for God's side? Because it's only the blood of Christ that covers you. You're covered, you win. family, it's time to check the score in the body of believers. It's time to understand you win and walk in it by submitting to him day in and day out in the good and the bad. You won't do it perfectly and that's okay, but don't let the imperfections change that he is perfect. Don't let the ways that you fail make you forget he never failed. The entire time we need, the entire reason we needed him is because he was the only one who could do it. You can't. So lean into him harder. Lean into him more, trust him more. How about this? I'm gonna give you practical advice that just came to my mind because I do this. Celebrate the victories more than you mourn the losses. God's people cannot be somebody who I won six days this week. I beat that temptation. I read the Bible. I was active. I witnessed to people. And then I did poorly one day and I beat myself up for a week. That's not the kingdom of God. Celebrate your victories and the more you celebrate, listen, if that's one day of freedom from something, 
celebrate it. You wanna know why when you start to celebrate victory, you wanna know what you wanna do more? You know what can be addicting? Mourning losses. Stop mourning the things you already paid for. Stop charging your spiritual bank account for something he completely covered. (laughs) Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask everybody to stand. We're gonna worship here in a second. We're gonna sing how great is his faithfulness because it's the only thing that changes anything. But pre-service we were praying and, and someone prayed something to the effect of us believing that there will be people that will come to know Jesus and come to know his victory and lean into his victory maybe for the first time this morning. I wasn't gonna do this and I felt like God said, heck yeah, you are. So I'm gonna ask that we dim the lights a little bit. I'm gonna ask everybody, just put your head down, get in your own space. This is you and Jesus. If as I spoke today, you just don't feel like any of that is for you, that doesn't seem real, that seems so distant, I think there's two two realities. One is this, we don't know him yet. And that is okay because he is here ready and he always will be. His salvation is for you for free. Believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And then the same victory we're preaching about is equally yours. But maybe you're in the room and you know you believe and you've been following this thing and and you, but this victory is not the season that you're in right now and you want it. You wanna declare something today that you're ready to step into it. You're ready for that next season. You're ready to really start walking and believing that this victory is as much for you as anybody else. Everybody in their own space, heads down. I'm just gonna ask if you fall into one of those two camps, can you just put a hand in there? We're gonna pray. Thank you for those bold enough to make this decision. I'm gonna ask now everybody put a hand in the air because the truth is all of us need this. We're gonna pray first for those in the room that may not feel like they even have this at all. And they're gonna understand today that Jesus is for you, with you. He died on that cross thinking of you and said you're worth it. All you have to do is accept that and you are saved. And then we're gonna pray as a family for all of us that we would begin to walk in further victory. Let's pray. And please pray in your own words, in your own spirits, out loud, whatever you have to do. Father, we lift up the name of Jesus to you right now. We thank you that you sent your only son so that anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. God, for anybody in the room who's here today and is not sure if they know you, God, we just ask And we declare in our own hearts, souls, and minds that we believe that you are the Messiah. We believe you came and did what you did, that you rose up from the grave, and that believing in you, I am offered salvation to spend eternity with you. And if we say that, God, if we believe that, we are in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. 
And for all of us, Jesus, for those of us, every single one of us struggling to walk in victory in certain areas, myself and all of my family, God, would you, you're the only one who can do it. Would your Holy Spirit in this moment empower us in a fresh way that we begin to submit to you in new ways and and begin to see and walk in victory. God, I pray over this body, this family right here, that we would leave this place today walking in fresh victory. It's for us every day. You are so good, Jesus. Thank you that every time we fail, you say your mercy and grace are new for us. So who are we to mourn failures when all we have is victory? God, give us scoreboard perspective this week. Help us to know and love you in new ways. We love you, Jesus, and all God's people said. We're going to worship now. We're going to sing, like I said, great is your faithfulness. And I want you to sing it with an exclamatory gratitude that what he did is for you.